Hello and welcome to a brand new season here on loverubbyleague.com. My name's Dave Parkinson, you're listening to the final hooter. It's myself and Adrian Jackson and introducing as our special guest this time around, it's Mr John Lawless. So what have we got coming up? Well, we're going to have a quick look back on last year. We're going to look forward to what we can expect this year. Uh, and there's plenty of chat, also including a bit of Dennis Betts talking about the job up at Newcastle Thunder that he's got. And Eamon O'Carroll, the newest head coach in town in the championship. We'll also hear from new Huddersfield halfback Jack Cogger, fresh out of the NRL. So, gentlemen, there's plenty for us to get into. How are you all doing? You okay? I'm fine, thank you, uh, Dave. It's good to see you. Good to be back involved in some capacity in rugby league, uh, and uh, I'm ready and willing to go myself. And you, Adrian? I'm tricking you. Sorry, uh, I've heard about problems with Zoom, haven't they? So I thought I'd play a little bit of a trick there. But yeah, I'm here. Don't start dropping any tricks in already because who knows what will happen over the next few minutes while we're recording. All the way through lockdown, I've heard people complaining about Zoom freezing. So I've got to play a little trick on you there. I can see a bit of a worried look in your face there. Uh, listen, when, when you've been otherwise taking phone calls in the middle of Runcon, that's when I've been worried for your safety, mate. So I know that you're safe and you're inside and we're doing this over Zoom. So, you know, it's good to see you, mate. <laughs> back in play the world of rugby league getting ready for another brand new season let's start first of all by looking back on last year and what a final it was the grand final between Wigan and St Helens I'll give you my thoughts on it in just a minute but uh, what did you think let's start with yourself here John yeah it was a belting game anyway leading up to that finish Dave but uh, we all remember great finishes don't we uh I'm still talking about that million pound game between Salford and OKR myself. I've never seen anything like that in my life, but uh, this was to match it. And of course, it was an even bigger game being the Super League Grand Final. It was absolutely superb. The whole game, really enjoyed it. Great advert for the game, I thought. Uh, and to finish the way it did with Makington's drop goal bouncing off the posts and uh, Jack Wellesley following up, that was just amazing. I have to say, even I, my, even my jaw dropped and I thought I'd seen most things in rugby league, but that was a great way to finish the season, a disrupted season. And it was great to go on such a high note, I thought. Adrian, what did you reckon of the game? It was drama all the way, wasn't it? Dramatic ending. And uh, I think what added to the excitement and the drama of it all was when the camera was panning in on um, James Graham. He didn't know whether to... He didn't know what to do, did he? He was pacing up and down the touchline. He didn't know whether to smile. He didn't know whether to remain calm. The emotions, it must be the emotional rollercoaster. And on the other side of the corner, you had that picture of... Um, Tommy Lulai sat behind the, the dead ball line on his own, hoping the referee is going to say he, he touched the ball down. But a dramatic game. Uh, best grand final I've seen for ages now, actually. Uh, you mentioned uh, dramatic finals uh, and finishes, John, with the uh, million-pound game with Hokiar and Salford. I'm going to go a little bit further back to my dramatic ending of a game. That's going to be that, that 1982 Challenge Cup semi-final between Leeds and, and Witness when they Nick Adams kicked from God hit the crossbar and Witten's got the winning try. Yeah, there's been there's been many. Funny you should mention that, Adrian, because you also mentioned Tommy Lula, you know, not being able to watch. And uh, I don't know, now I'm going to go further back now because I can, you see. Uh, I'm going to go back to the water splash final. And I don't know if you remember, but when Don Fox was lining up that goal kick to win the game, uh, several Leeds players were on the horns in the in-goal area, unable to watch. 
obviously expected him to kick it from under the post and then uh, hearing the, the crowd roar as he, uh, as he sliced it wide. So, yeah, it's, uh, it brought all those memories flooding back, but it was a great game, that grand final last year. Well, elsewhere, I have actually said that I didn't particularly enjoy the game. Love the finish. The finish was excellent, you know, and had all the drama. But I actually thought that the, the game itself lacked flair and it lacked skill for me because there wasn't enough passing of the ball. It just seemed every time anybody went two passes wide, they were either caught or they didn't try it again. Uh, do you think I'm being a bit harsh in my uh, in my recollections? No, I don't think you're being harsh, Parky, because uh, I can see where you're coming from. It was a typical grand final in a certain sense, wasn't it? Because it was about intensity and what have you, and people weren't that willing to take too many risks. But, uh, so I go along with them. I'm not saying it was a classic game like the 1985 Challenge Cup final was, the, the great Wigan Hall one, when we saw, you know, fantastic rugby league, the ball flowing from left to right and right to left. But what it was, it was a great advert for the game in terms of its intensity, in terms of the manner in which it was played. Um, and I think all those boxes were ticked. And of course, the, the ending always makes something seem even better than it was, doesn't it? But I'll go along with you in terms of, you know, there wasn't a huge amount of free-flowing rugby league in it. But, um, you know, that that's the way games like that go sometimes. But I still think if you compare it to all the grand finals we've had, it's up there in the higher echelons of those games uh, rather than down in the in the lower echelons. Uh, come on, Adrian, have a go at me. Have a go at me. No, <laughs> no I was going to move away from that, actually. You mentioned Challenge Cup finals there, John. I thought the, um, the Salford Leeds Cup final was up there was one of the best. Yeah, it was a good game. I thoroughly enjoyed that. Um, I have to say, I was, I was kind of hoping the underdogs had come through in that one. And uh, they certainly gave it a good shot, didn't they? But a uh, bit of know-how there from Leeds in the end uh, got them over the line. Yeah, I mean, certainly for me, looking at that Challenge Cup final, I mean, I, I thought um, that that for me was the classic for me because there was some good attacking plays put on as well and, and both sides sort of chanced their arms at times, didn't they? But uh, yeah, I, I suppose it's just, depending on your point of view, you get different things from different games, don't you? Well, I suppose, what I think, Dave, is that um, maybe the players feel a bit freer in the Challenge Cup final. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's more of a showpiece event. It's more of a sort of carnival atmosphere, if you like. I know there was no fans in, but you know what I mean? The, the, the whole purpose of it uh, engenders that. And maybe players just feel a bit freer. Uh, it's not like your whole season's on the line like it is in the Super League Grand Final, is it? I mean, last year, I think the two teams played three games each to reach the final. So it does it maybe uh, just gives the, the players a little bit more freedom to express themselves. Just looking at the season overall, then, guys, who do you think over who, who do you think overachieved and who never achieved what they should have done? Well, look, Saints will be happy. They won the grand final, won't they? And they were the best team again. And uh, well done to them. Um, Salford, I was made up that they followed up the previous season when they reached the grand final by showing it reaching another final. I think they they you know continued to be overachievers, but it's hard to keep that sustained over a long period of time. Um, I think Warrington fans will probably always consider their team underachievers until they win the grand final, won't they? Because that's really been their raison d'etre for a long time now uh, and it hasn't quite happened for them. So uh, they, they'll probably have to slot into the underachievers spot. Um, and obviously there's a continuum and, and many of the others in between. 
I think for me, one of the underachievers of last season um, was probably Castleford because Castleford had a pretty good start to the season. In fact, you know, at the time when they had the original split and the first lockdown came into vogue, they were top of the table and then they, they came back afterwards and couldn't gain any sort of consistency at all. And I sort of worry a little bit with Castleford looking forward now because I think the the better players seem to be that year older. And I think the players that they brought in uh, to, to complement the squad are also that bit older as well, you know, and, and I kind of like just wonder whether they've kind of missed the boat a little bit. Do you think Derek Carr's been in the job too long, Parky? Oh, well, I mean, it's not really for us to speculate on whether coaches should lose the jobs or anything like that. But, um, you know, there was once a, an amateur coach that I spoke to uh, told me that a shelf life of a coach is about five years and then your message stops getting through in the same way that it did before. Uh, obviously, Daryl's been there seven this will be his eighth year now at Castleford, so he's done a tremendous gig there. Listen, I hope I hope that I'm wrong because I always like Castleford as a team. I like the way that Daryl Powell coaches. I like the way that he usually has his halfbacks attacking and the fact that the the outside backs they they know what they're doing, they know when to to interject and come into play. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I certainly think he's under pressure this season. One well, that would be key for me, uh, for, for me, from my point of view, was Catalan Dragons. You, know, you think of the vast number of players that they've got the, at their disposal, seem to be able to attract some of the world's best players, but they never seem to be able to pull it off. Yeah, I, I, I'd go along with that to some degree. I, I'm going to return to Castleford briefly, if you don't mind, Adrian, because I think when we're judging Castleford to be underachievers last year, we need to understand that they're perennial overachievers, and that's what affects our judgment of Castleford. Given that the budget that Daryl Powell has had to work on, he's, he's, he's performed miracles, really, if you think about it, over the years. So they have a, a season where they, they, don't, they don't quite go as well. And we call them underachievers. Um, inevitably, look at what Castleford have done over the years in terms of um, unearthing great players who, who under Daryl Powell, have flourished. And then, inevitably, had to sell them on uh, in order to, uh, to keep, the, keep the ball rolling. You know, Solomona springs to mind. Randy Chase springs to mind. Um, you know, that's the way it is with Castleford. They're not a big money club. So I think we have to uh, congratulate them for what they have done rather than uh, being too um, detrimental about what they didn't do last year. But, uh, yeah, I think Cass, uh, it'd be interesting to see how they go this year. They're bound to come a cropper one year, aren't they? You can't go on overachieving for all those for all those years. Uh, going back to Catalan, Adrian, that you mentioned, yeah, they, they, I always think they should do better than they do, but somehow they don't seem to have that consistency did he that consistent intensity in the play that and uh, I'm at a loss personally to understand exactly why that is I think everybody is to be honest with you John they've never had that really since the days of Trent Robinson have they no perhaps not perhaps not I don't know why I don't know why but uh, you know we'll see how they go this year they've again um, you know recruited in- interestingly so we'll we'll see how they go and um, uh, I'm sure that'll still be a trip that uh don't many of the other teams in Super League. So 2019, or 2020, Dublin Dusters, I should say. 2021, it's going to be another couple of rounds of no fans in the ground. Uh, and the road to recovery um, is going to be taking place behind closed doors with two, with two rounds at No Country Park and Heavenly. Yeah, very much looking forward to them. Um, even if I might be watching some of it on the telly, uh, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to it. Um, it'd be interesting to see how the teams uh, start off the season. Uh, we, I think we know already who the favourites are or, or the, the, the favourites, you know, the group of favourites, should I say. 
and those who may be uh, looking to avoid relegation as much as anything else. But it will all come out. What I really hope, Adrian, more than anything, is that uh, we know that the league is going to be decided again on a percentage basis like it was last year. The league have put that into place. But of course, if we can get the whole programme played, well, then the percentages don't matter, do they? Because the percentages and the actual numbers are the same thing, if you get me drift. Uh, so hope, I just want, uh, from a neutral perspective here, just the whole season to go go ahead. Let's get a full programme in. And uh, we've got the World Cup to look forward to at the end of it. I think it's a long goal season, Parky. It is a long goal season, yeah. Especially when you do, uh, like John mentioned, you drop that World Cup in at the end of it, which I have to admit, I'm really looking forward to. And I certainly hope that, um, you know, by the time we get around to World Cup time, we, we've actually got release of all these restrictions, which we're, we've all been living under and which have all, uh, you know, been part of our lives for the last 12 months now. Um, but yeah, I think it's a, it's going to be a fascinating season. Um, I wanted to come back just on a couple of the big stories that happened, you know, like at the back end of last year, because we had the demise of Toronto and then the new guy apparently getting interested, wanting to invest and then being told no and having the door slammed in his face. Uh, then there was a, a whole mini licensing round uh, where there were six clubs in it from the championship and Lee Centurions got the nod. Um, but they're going to have to face this season on, well, uh, a big deficit of money compared with everybody else. They were not been able to spend 1.8 million or get 1.8 million from the Sky deal. Uh, and, and that, as a result of them going up, it created a, an opportunity in the championship for somebody coming in. And Newcastle Thunder won that bid. Interesting times ahead for those two teams and, and for rugby league in general in Canada. I mean, it was, a good, it was an experiment that was always going to fail at one point. Um, thinking about the Toronto experiment, um, would they uh, fell away if it weren't for COVID. Well, that's difficult to know. Obviously, that affected Berge. Remember that everyone was was go, putting the players on furlough and the staff on furlough. And of course, Toronto was a Canadian entity, so that didn't apply to them. So that's uh, that certainly uh, hampered them. With regard to the whole thing, uh, I think if you go into these things, if, if you know the decision to allow Toronto into rugby league in, into rugby league in this country in the first place, you've got to have a plan. Uh, you've got to have a plan, and the plan regarding Toronto had to be how it was going to be exploited, uh, how, how to exploit Toronto's existence, and especially when they got into Super League, to expand the rugby league market and bring more money into the game. Uh, did anyone ever have that plan? Uh, I'm not really sure that they did. Uh, and in the end, uh, the Super League clubs, I'm sure, and in the, in the, with the backdrop of, uh, of COVID as well, uh, decided to, to jettison them, rightly or wrongly, if Ian Lennigan's to be believed of the, uh, the proposal that uh, Toronto put forward to be uh, put back into the league this season wasn't uh, didn't exactly cut the mustard. So uh, we've got to push them in, into the background now. They're, they're history, I'm afraid. Thankfully, one team that isn't history is Newcastle Thunder. They've been promoted into the championship. And earlier, I got to speak with their director of rugby, Dennis Betts, first of all, asking him about what it's like to be a director of rugby during a pandemic. Well, it's been, it's been really frustrating. It's been frustrating for everybody that's involved because we've done things and we've tried to stay in, stay connected and talk to each other. And I'm through this as well. There was a change of coach. I know Simon left in the middle of it, uh, the pandemic as well, just because obviously he wasn't able to get anything really going. It was just, we didn't really know what was happening around the edges. I will say that what, from myself and with Mick and Jordan's on the corner, I mentioned him and this as well, 
it was always a real strength about the, what we would do next, where we were going and the vision that we had as an organisation. And that's something that has kept me engaged in this really tough time as well. Like I said, because there's nothing been going on. Nobody's not been able to train. We've not really, we've signed players in the last few months, but for a long period of this year, we didn't really know what was next. And I think that was always the, the frustrating thing. But true to that was the fact that my, myself, Mick, Jordan and other members of staff that have been there permanently were, were pretty strong about getting through this, what we would get out of it, applying for the licences that were available to keep after um, keep after the, the goal and keep after the ambition that had been set by our, by our owner in Seymour Kirby. I think I, I spoke to Jordan the day after you got the OK and he mentioned that it's been full steam ahead ever since getting the club up to up to speed for, for championship and you mentioned there about bringing the new signings in. I was having a look and like most of them have excellent backgrounds, don't they, within the uh, within Super League Academy teams? I think there's a lot of the Super League experience in there and I think changing the the age group really, just changing, like looking at, looking at the group, they're a pretty young group we uh, we targeted like mostly well, apart from Bob obviously but he just drags everything out but the um, the young ambition that is, is in the group is clear to see and like I said the, the lads that are looking for a home they're looking to find somewhere to put a stamp on their team I think when we targeted and throughout the recruitment it was about having lads that had great character lots of ambition and a desire to to make something um, make something of their careers at something that was theirs. I then asked Eamon O'Carroll all about his first head coach's role. Yeah, I'm very lucky. I feel like, you know, my, my coaching career has been fairly short, but I've gained a lot of experience. So, um, but I'm just really happy to get in there. It's a completely different dynamic once you're a head coach going to assistant. You have to look at everything on a, with a broader aspect and, um, it's not just what you're doing on the training field, it's building relationships off it as well and having to do that, which I've really enjoyed. So, yeah, I've, I've dived into it with both feet, but I'm loving it. Obviously, we've made a couple of statements. There was some recruitment that we've done, but when I spoke to Dennis, he told me about the things that were going on off the field, the fact that we've got an academy. like There's, there's a real good platform there for the club to be successful, and that's one thing that really impressed me. So I knew that it wasn't just words. There was some substance behind what they were saying. So... Yeah, I had no hesitation in, in coming to Newcastle. Dennis Betster, great to hear from him. I mean, he had that good stint at Witness, you have to admit. I mean, we, we talked about, uh, or you talked about, you know, Castleford overachieving. I thought Dennis Betts got Witness overachieving for a few years. Yeah, it was a, uh, it's a cliche, isn't it? But the, he was the classic roller coaster rider as a, for Dennis at Witness, wasn't it? I don't know if you remember that season when Witness started off like an absolute house on fire. I remember them putting bolt at the absolute sword. At um, uh, the total, what, what's the witness's ground call now? DCBL Stadium, as it is now. Um, so, yeah, and but in the end, uh, it was all going a bit pear shaped on the field, wasn't it? When uh, they decided to park company with him, didn't do witness any good because they got relegated anyway. But uh, Newcastle is an interesting uh, thing, Dave, this year, isn't it? Because I was looking at their recruitment earlier, and some of it's long recruitment, admittedly, but they've taken a lot of uh, Super League players on. Um, so they're going to be a bit of a dark horse in the championship, I believe, and a dark horse against Witness, actually, in the first game in the championship, which is a very intriguing fixture. Um, they get, yeah, they've got big ambitions. They've got a bit of money behind them, I understand. 
uh, and they look like they're building a squad there that could be you know competitive at championship level. So uh, I'm very interested to see how they go. They've also got another former Widnes player involved in the coaching staff there. Eamon O'Carroll stepping up for the first time into a big job following assistant roles at Widnes and Catalans. Yeah, he lived with um, he lived with a bad shoulder injury, didn't he, uh, in the latter part of his career, Evan, but always soldiered on and was a really solid performer as a player. And hopefully, you know, him and Dennis are, are good mates and uh, worked together before in the past. And hopefully they can bring something good to Newcastle and with some quite a bit of uh, change in the playing squad. I, I'd, I'll be very, you know, I think they could go a lot better than some people think uh, in the championship this year. There's some, some other good sides, obviously, but I think they, they're going to go uh, all right. Adrian, shall we look at Lee Centurions? I mean, you know, they, they've got promoted. It's the poison chalice, I suppose. Do you think that they are going to get enough wins by the end of the season yeah. to stay up? That's the question everyone's been asking, isn't it? And uh, I suppose the key for for Lee is you've got, to, you've got to win as many home games as you can. They've got to make, hit the old the old home ground, um, a fortress, haven't they, really? And, and forget about nicking points off the top. The top four teams in likes of um, your Holes and your Wiggins and your and your Warrington of the world, uh, and try and uh, consistently beat the teams that are around them. If they can do that, they've got a very good chance of surprising one or two pundits, haven't they? What do you reckon, John? Well, first of all, I don't like to see the team that's just come up go down. Uh, I'd I'd like to do something systemically about that. By the way, to prevent that from happening. Uh, because, as you said, Dave, they are you are behind the eight ball and league, particularly this time because of the the the, uh, the timing of, of when they uh, got the promotion to Super League. But I'd like to congratulate them first of all. Well done, Derek Beaumont has been putting his money where his mouth is. Uh, they've done a lot of recruitment. Whether it's good enough to to sustain them in Super League remains to be seen. But there are some other vulnerable teams in there, I think, as well. So uh, I really hope Lee stay up. Um, it'll be very interesting. I think they need to get off to a good start. If they get off to a bad start, that could lead them, you know, down the wrong path. But they could do with getting a few wins under the belt early on. And if they do that, that could give them the strength. And there may be a bit of a mid-season um, strengthening as well, because as we know, Derek, he's always willing to uh, look at opportunities like that. So uh, I wish Lee all the best. I genuinely hope they don't get relegated. If I had my way, he couldn't be relegated. Uh, and I hope they, uh, they they maintain their place in the league. And I'm going to predict now that they won't get relegated this year. I'm not saying they're going to finish in, make the playoffs or win the grand final, but I don't think league will be relegated. There you go, Dave. That'll make you smile. I always said that you knew your stuff, Johnny, all this. I always <laughs> said it. He's our expert in rugby league, by the way. <laughs> okay, then, John, you just said that you're going to stay up. Who's going to go down then? Oh, Adrian, yeah, I don't have thought it through that far. There you go. There's my prediction. Sorry, Hulkar fans. It's it's you know I'm, I'm usually wrong. Don't don't go and uh, throw yourself off the humble bridge or anything. Uh, but I'm going to go for Hulkar because Adrian's put me on the spot. <laughs> so you, 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 the fact you mentioned Hull uh, within the world of the league, uh, new coach over at the black and white side of Hull, Brett Hodgson. I just think he's going to go parky. Uh, you know what? I've got faith in him. I think I know that there's not been major changes there. He's only brought Reynolds over from the NRL. And other than that, there's been a, a heap of players that seem to have left. Um, but I have got faith in him. I mean, he did a good job 
when he was over here as a player, he knows the competition. And then when he moved into the coaching ranks, he was really highly thought of, wasn't he, during his stint at Widnes in particular. And um, he's gone back to Australia. He's developed himself as a coach. He's been working in that West Tigers system. Uh, and and I, I seriously think it's a, a good time for him stepping into that job. Um, I know we've often said that that's like a poison chalice, isn't it, at Hull? Because for me, they're, they're almost a perennial underachiever. You'd always expect Hull to be sort of top four and they, they rarely get there um, but I have a feeling that he'll get the best out of those players that he has there uh, and I'm sure that come the end of this season if they don't perform then he'll move a few on because there is a few players coming out of contract as well the thing about Huller I agree with you there Parky is, is that they just you just don't know what you're going to get from him do you? if no. you're a betting man I would avoid Hull's games frankly because sometimes you think that you should turn up and do and play really well and they're terrible uh, but of course, they also have their great moments as Challenge Cups in recent years that, that, that they've won. Um, there's no reason Bet Hodgson can't do a great job. He's got the pedigree, hasn't he? He was a great player, you know, Australia, straight of origin player. Uh, he's cut his teeth, as you said, with Witness and in the NRL with his old club West. I think he may have been interested in the Catalan job uh, when that when Steve McNamara uh, first got that, I believe, and that would have suited him because I think his wife at the time and maybe still is uh, lived in France. Uh, so, yeah, good luck to, to, to Brett Hodgson. He's a good bloke. I've, uh, I've had numerous conversations over the years with Brett Hodgson. He's a really smashing fella. Uh, and he deserves all the success he's got. And he's got resources, usually, to play with there at Hull. I know they've not done much, as you said, Parky, in the close season. But it'll be interesting to see a, a different face in charge there and maybe bringing some different things to the table. Brett Hodgson, new coach at Hull FC. Uh, one or two more coaches within the world of Super League uh, dropping new clubs and, and staff in pastures new. Richard Marshall at Salford and Ian Watson at Huddersfield. Yeah, well, Huddersfield, you know, I, I think they're banking that they're on a, onto a winner there. What Ian Watson did at Salford was, uh, you know, close to miraculous, wasn't it? He, he's under real uh, difficult circumstances in terms of the, the playing budget and the stuff that went on there before he arrived and, and perhaps partially after he arrived. So, well, yeah, um, uh, there's no reason to think he won't do a good job at Huddersfield, having uh, proved what he can do at Salford. Uh, and Richard Marshall, well, I'm glad he's got his chance because he's been knocking around a while, hasn't he? I remember back in his Warrington assistant days uh, and then did a good job with Halifax for a number of years and an assistant at State. So now he's finally got the uh, the nod for the uh, for the full gig, as it were, at Salford. Again, it's not going to be easy because of the resources available to him. Um, so, you know, they might be one of those who, who Lee might be thinking that they can knock off and get and climb above this year. Uh, difficult to know they're going to go in the post-Watson era, Salford. But again, I can only wish Richard Marshall, again, another bloke that I know you've spoken to a lot, Adrian, and I'm sure you have as well, Dave, who, who uh, deserves his chance and, and, a, and a really good fella. Yeah, very much so. I mean, uh, you know, what, what Ian's achieved, like you say, it's, it's miraculous. I think he, he's done tremendous. I think that job at Huddersfield, is probably what he needs next because they have a youth structure and I think unfortunately because of the positions that he's found himself in he's never been able to de- actually develop youth players before so I think this is a new take for him they've got a well-established academy there at Huddersfield uh, and he's already you know made a couple of bold signings as well with uh, the likes of Jack Cogger joining from Australia um, uh, just to complement the existing halfbacks that they've got there obviously you know they went really well with Aidan Caesar in the middle of the park last year I'm looking forward to him with a full pre-season under his belt and being used to everything now in the UK, uh, going from strength to strength. I think he's a, a real coup and a real key player for them. Um, and, and yeah, over at uh, over at Salford, 
I'm not sure whether it's going to work out quite as well for Richard Marshall. Something tells me he's in for a really tough season. And, and like you were saying, if I was looking at uh, Lee, um, they've almost got to get uh, a mini league going, haven't they? With the likes of Wakefield, Hull Kingston Rovers and Salford, because it's going to be a case of finishing above one of those. Um, and, and I'm sort of wondering whether Marshall and his squad that he's got there to, to push on um, and maybe get a little bit higher up the table, because they, they certainly suffered with consistency issues, didn't they, at the back end of last year? It's interesting to see that Kevin Brown from Nancy's retired before a ball's even kicked. Hmm. Yeah, interesting. And they'll miss him because he, everyone needs a playmaker and he was pretty effective for Salford for much of last season, wasn't he, Kevin Brown? Um, so it'll be interesting, yeah, Richard Marshall, well, I wouldn't say he's under pressure. Is he under pressure, really? Because the, the expectations can't be that high for Salford. And I've got, I'm interested in your little mini-league concept there, Dave. I like that. Uh, so those are four pointers those games aren't they between those clubs who were, who were expecting I mean we might be doing them an injustice by the way usually someone bolts out and does a lot better than we think as Salford did uh, a couple of years ago so but if those teams are seen to be in that uh, mini league down at the bottom uh, those games between them between Hull KR between Salford between Lee between Wakefield perhaps they become four pointers don't they and so uh, we'll see a bit of targeting of those games amongst those clubs I think You mentioned the retirees Adrian um, you you were putting together a little list, weren't you, of players that had packed in? Well, there's meant to have, um, but we're going to go off the, off the knowledge that's in my head. I, I've got I've got faith in this it's knowledge, by the way, folks. <laughs> yeah, okay. I, I mentioned Kevin Brown. He's announced he's retiring at the end of this season. It's just interesting that he's doing it before the season started. Normally, you make that decision at the back end of it of the season, don't you? Mm, you do really, but I suppose as well, like with uh, like with Steve Price and Warrington, he's called it early so people yeah. can get plans put in place possibly for next year. Well, well, he was probably seeing how he felt, wasn't he, and see if he could go around again. He's probably maybe uh, decided, you know, having uh, tested himself out a little bit, that it's time to uh, to, to pack it in. So uh, I don't uh, I don't think there's anything uh, to worry about in terms of him deciding, you know, just before the start of the season. Uh, because he probably wanted to wait to see how he felt uh, before a ball was about to be kicked, I suppose. Anyway, back to my knowledge uh, of the list that's in my head. Uh, players that weren't doing their um, pre-season training before this year, Gareth Ellis uh, said goodbye to Rugby League. Uh, you know about James Graham uh, and Sean O'Loughlin. Sean Lunt has decided uh, he's had enough of the world of Rugby League. He's decided to pull the boots away. John Wilkin, another guy who won't see Grace the Rugby League field anymore. We might see him on TV. Uh, now and again, or he might even pop up from one of your columns. Yeah, uh, he, he may well do. He may well do. He may well do this week, actually, because the, the <laughs> Liverpool FA Rugby League column starts again this week, if I can just give that a little plug there. Um, but you, you, also Zeb Tyre, who is uh, now unretired, by the way. I don't know if you saw that news this week. He's going to turn out for a win and manly. Um, so uh, he's unretired, Zeb Tyre, having supposedly retired with Saints at the end of the year. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's it's a natural flow of things. It's evolution in it. Uh, the old guard stepped down. Hopefully, the new guard will come in, and some of them will uh, will become just as big a name as some some of those people who've gone. You mentioned players who've retired and unretired. One guy uh, stepping up the ones in this year is Greg Inglis. Well, that's you know that's the most intriguing signing of all, isn't it? That's a, that's going to be really interesting to, to see. It's been a long time out of the game, but you know no one can possibly argue, not even you, Adrian, or you, Dave, that uh, we're talking about one of the greats here in Greg Inglis, one of the absolute all-time greats of rugby league, uh, coming back after the spell out. Um, 
how he'll go for Warrington is going to be very interesting and it will have a big effect on Warrington's campaign, I think. If, if Greg can get to something like the standard he was playing before, well, that's going to make Warrington all the more dangerous this year. You could argue they've got two centres to kick to now because they used to just kick it out the way of yeah. uh, the way of Toby King last year, didn't they? But uh, now they've got Greg English to aim at. No, I, in, in seriousness, I mean, English has been a fantastic performer throughout his career, one of the greats and, and you know, justifiably so over there in Australia. Uh, and I'm really looking forward and I'm excited to see him back in action because I still had the feeling when he, he called time in his career in Sydney that, he had something more to give and I hope that Warrington gets to see the best of him and Super League gets to see the best of him as well. Bit of news breaking from Australia, another Australian great. Um, Cameron Smith deciding to put all the speculation to bed and saying he's walking away from the world of rugby league. Could he end up at Warrington? Could he end up at Warrington indeed? Mm, it's, 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 it's interesting, well, isn't it? You never know. I, I think I think his retirement will be a proper retirement. That's what I think. Um He's 37, isn't he, Adrian? Is he 37? Something like that. Uh, I don't think he's got anything left to prove. I suspect he doesn't need the money. So I think uh, once he's decided to retire, I'm sure there's a job for him there at Melbourne if he wants one or anywhere else he fancies one, to be perfectly honest. So uh, I don't think we'll see Cameron Smith going back on that and, and, and turning up anywhere else. That's my opinion. Uh, I'm usually wrong, so he'll probably turn up at Warrington next week. <laughs> Probably <laughs> really knowing Simon Moran and, and the, his persuasive manners that he has over players. He's been a magnificent player, though, hasn't he, Cameron Cameron Smith? I just get the feeling that, you know, I, I was reading an article earlier today, actually, which was saying that you wouldn't pay to see him. And I think that's really that's really a negative thing, actually, about him. Because, yes, I would pay to see him. I think he, he's just one of those guys where he's done everything right throughout his career. I was reading he's been available for 97% of his games. You know, so he's played in 97% of the games that he could have possibly played in in his career. So he's hardly ever been missing due to injury or suspension. You've got that sort of longevity. And it's no wonder he's had the stellar career that he has. And plus, he's a, a, a talented player and a real leader to boot as well. I think he gives gives hope, doesn't he, to everyone who's thinking of a rugby league player, player in a certain way. Because what those people are talking about, those who said he wouldn't pay to see him, are the fact that he's not a particularly big guy. Uh, he's not known for his speed. Uh, you know, he's, he's not overly aggressive, as, as you'd say. You know, he's not like an enforcer or anything like that. And yet here we are talking about a man who's had an amazing career. Again, he's going to go down as one of the greats, almost certainly. And why is that? Well, that's because his tactical nous is second to none. When was the last time he made a bad decision? He doesn't make any bad decisions. He always makes the right decisions. He always stay calm, stays calm. Uh, his basic skills around the play of the ball are absolutely superb you know he's passing from dummy half is superb his decision making around the his leadership is superb but on, on the face of it he would seem to lack some of the natural things that you know Greg English has got in terms of athleticism or Martin Fire had in terms of speed or you know um, John O'Loughlin had in terms of his ability to, to block up the middle with that size and his passing game although Smith has got that so that gives hope to everybody doesn't it he's become one of the all time greats by being smart basically, by being smart. And, um, you know, that's great, isn't it? One player not ready to throw the bitch away just yet, the great Fury Fury Moimoy. Oh, I tell you what, we're going to get 
the smash again in League One this season. He's turning out for Rochdale Hornets. And um, ever since he's been over in this uh, this country, I think he's done a tremendous job. The fans have just loved him wherever he's gone. I mean, I was I was looking back, someone reminded me of when he scored his first try at Lee and I was commentating on the game and there's a little video clip of him running up to the top of the top of the north stand and celebrating with the fans and sort of applauding with them and it's that type of stuff that you really love about guys like that and fair play <laughs> i've still got the wig somewhere yeah yeah definitely and, and i can assure you it wasn't actually through his ear that either <laughs> okay we'll leave it at that shall we <laughs> Foxdale fans in for a treat with Fooey Fooey. I'm sure he's going to um, sell a lot more wigs, shall we say, uh, this season. He's 40, I think, isn't he? Uh, so uh, good luck to him as well. Hopefully he'll get through the season unscathed. Speaking of uh, fans in for a treat, I think the fans of West Wales are going to be in for a treat this year, John. We'd like to Gavin Henson and Rangi Chase running out for them. Well, Rangi Chase has been announced as captain uh, for West Wales. Uh, I saw that uh, come into my feed today. So, uh, yeah. Interesting. It's going to be very interesting. Very, very talented lad. Uh, so will West Wales be playing Rangi ball? I think you've got to play Rangi ball if Rangi is in your team. Uh, <laughs> and we saw what, how good that worked with Castleford, where basically he was given free reign and everyone had to work off him. We saw badly it worked for England when they wanted to play a more structured game, which didn't suit him. Uh, so it's going to be very interesting, uh, West Wales, how they go. Gavin Henson, well, you know, he's cracking on a bit, isn't he? I'm not sure how, how, how much we can really expect from him, but we'll, we'll soon get to see. But, uh, yeah, West Wales uh, with, with Rangi Chase are going to be an interesting proposition. I certainly think that they're on the improve, aren't they, with some of those signings that they've made. And I'm just hoping that they work out for them because um, we, we have known that, unfortunately, a couple of the moves that Rangi's made, it's not really worked for him. And like you said, it almost has to be like he's the centre of the universe wherever he goes. And if you do that and you love him, you'll get a great performance. But in places where he's perhaps not had that, he's not been quite as effective. Um, but... I suppose we, we've also looked at it over the last couple of years, haven't we? And and, and West Wales have been that, those perennial strugglers. Maybe they can finally kick that tag this year. Speaking about guys who are swapping cold, we've mentioned Gavin Henson, uh, uh, deciding to chance his arm in rugby league with West Wales. The interesting one uh, breaking last week was Carl Eastman uh, making a return to one of the rugby league with Leeds Rhinos. Yeah, that's another intriguing sign, isn't it? I mean, all Leeds have... Um had some issues, haven't they, with injuries in the, in the uh, off-season. Uh, Jack Walker's not going to be appearing for the full season, for example. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be interesting. I've not been really following Kyle Eastman's career that much since he moved to Rugby Union. I have to say, I did take a little interest in it at the start. Not been following it that much. Uh, we all know he was predicted to be a superstar when he first emerged at St. Helens. Uh, so we'll see how that, that works out for him. Um, he's explosive, as we know. And uh, see, it's... Interesting to see how Leeds use him, actually. That's what I'm, I'm quite fascinated to see, how Leeds will use him uh, this year. So, yeah, an intriguing one, that. I think so, he shouldn't have left Rugby League because he didn't really achieve anything when he decided to swap clothes. I mean, like, he, he, he represented England a few times against the All Blacks. I don't suppose it gets much better than that, does it, in rugby union terms? But I get where you're coming from because he's coming back to Rugby League and in the last 11 years, he's played 120-plus games. I mean, that's not a lot. When you compare, you know, usual 31-year-old legs in rugby league, they're, they're up to about 300 games, aren't they? So he's whatever he played at St. Helens, what was it, about 100 games, I think, coming through the ranks there. Um, you're actually getting probably a 27-year-old in a 31-year-old's body. So it could work out really well for Leeds, and, you know, it, especially if he's still got that pace and that, that, that 
real athleticism that he had when he was first coming through the ranks at St. Helens. The very fact that you've just told me that Carl Eastman's 31 depresses me, Dave. I can't, can't <laughs> compute that, I'm afraid. Uh, how can that lad be 31? Not, it's probably because I've not, not been following his career. Yeah, I still think of the lad who, who ran out for Saints. So, uh, yeah, uh, we'll see how he goes. It's all right, John. We're not going to try and guess how old you are now, 10 years <laughs> late. Uh, speaking about uh, guys coming back to the world of rugby, new guys as well are joining Super League. A new course that we won at Huddersfield in Jack Cogger. Uh, I guess my first question for you, Jack, is uh, as a new boy to Super League this time round, uh, what can we expect to see from Jack Cogger? Um, I think a very controlled um, footy player. Um, the last five years or, or so, I've been um, in and out of the NRL, played with some pretty quality playmakers. Um, so I think, you know, the, the idea of me coming to the Super League was, you know, to, to get some consistent game time instead of being in and out of squads be able to play week in and week out um, and you know some of the stuff I've learned along the year over the years um, in the NRL and bring that to the Super League so um, I, I tend to think I'm pretty composed um, type of playmaker that's you know likes to lead the team around but at the same time coming over here to better my game as well so um, I'll be looking to run the ball a little bit more um, and really take control of, of, of my edge when it comes to defence as well. Uh, and how have you settled in Huddersfield? Yeah, no, so far so good. Um, me and my partner, or my partner and I, have really enjoyed our time um, so far. We've the first week we we're here, we got to see snow a couple of times, which is a bit, yeah, not not a normal thing for us. It was the first time my partner had seen it. I'd seen it when I'd come over in 2014, but um, haven't seen it since then. So um, we've got to, yeah, we've got the full English weather since we've been here, and um, hopefully the weather starts to, to warm up a bit and we get a nice summer. I certainly hope so. Um, now, of course, you, you've got family connections that have played over in the UK in the past, haven't you? Was it both your dad and your uncle played over here? Yeah, so, yeah, my old man and I had two uncles play over here. One stayed for a lot longer. I think he was here five or six years. And um pretty sure he played or might have played with Ollie Russell, who's in, in the team. He's his dad. So um, there's connections everywhere. My old man played for Lee. Um, who obviously been promoted to the Super League this year as well. So there is a few connections there, yes. Uh, and you've been no stranger to the Sports Village because you played there for the Aussie School Boys too. Yeah, exactly. So that was actually, you know, pretty pretty good week. Uh, we played two games there and Dad was uh, obviously over, you know, came to watch us play and I think he actually got presented his uh, player number um, from Lee. Uh, obviously, they didn't really have that concept when he played, but... He came back and um, the club, um, obviously being at Lee Sports Village, presented him his player number. So it was a good week um, for me, obviously, getting to play there back in 2014. But, um, yeah, I think that that got a bit out of it as well. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Um, just to sort of ask you as well, because uh, obviously Huddersfield have a new coach this this, this time round as well, in, in Ian Watson. How, how have you been working with him? Because he was a, a pretty good halfback back in the day too. Yeah, it, that was one of the main reasons uh, before I even came to England. It was, you know, one of the, the main reasons I was signed with the club. I spoke to Watto before um, before anything. Um, he, was, he was the first person I spoke to when the interest from Huddersfield came up. Um, I think, you know, it's a pretty big move for myself. So I wanted to make sure the coach um, was going to be someone that's, you know, going to get the best out of me and be able to take my game to the next level. Him being a, a former half as well obviously helps that. Um, but at the same time, his whole philosophy is on the game and 
um, the style of play um, he wants Huddersfield to play this year, I think really suits me. And um, yeah, I'm really excited for the season ahead. Uh, you've already mentioned Ollie yeah, Russell. I'd imagine that you'd be going head to head with him for a halfback spot. Um, uh, how are you finding working with both him and Aidan Caesar as well? He was, you know, very, very well, well renowned in Australia, wasn't he, before coming over to the Super League? Yeah, well, the year before uh, Aidan came over, they uh, he was playing for Canberra and they made the grand final, so he had a pretty good year that year. And he'd been playing for a number of years. Um, I think he racked up over 100 NRL games, so he's a pretty well-known half. Um, over there that was yeah, another reason um you know that made me sign with the club to be able to play with someone of his caliber which i'm really excited for we got ollie russell and lee gaskell as well so we all offer offer different things and um you know i think whatever mix Watto decides to go with um you know will be best for the team but at the moment uh, we're all training really hard and um you know starting to understand the game plan that Watto wants us to play and, um, yeah, as I said, I think, you know, we all can complement each other in different ways. I bet you can't wait to get going, though. I bet you've had enough of the training and just getting, you just want to get stuck into the game time now, do you? Yeah, that's right. I, I It's been obviously a bit of a shortened pre-season. We came over well, for everyone, but all the Aussies, we didn't come over till after uh, Christmas and the New Year. So it's been a bit shortened, but at the same time, we're doing our training back home. So, yeah, it's probably come just at the right time, actually, it's, starting to play a couple of trial games and um, footy's just around the corner. So, yeah, we're, we're definitely ready for it now. Just the one final thing from me. Obviously, you've come over to a country that is, um, you know, like uh, beset with COVID and Australia hasn't or doesn't seem to have had the same sort of issues. Um, how have you found all the, the COVID type of regulations as a player coming over? Oh, it's, it's definitely been different um, and it's been it's had its challenges, but... We knew what we were coming to, um, you know, I didn't just, it wasn't oblivious to, you know, what was happening in the world and what was happening in England at the time. So, um, as I said, when we got here, we, we knew the situation we were coming to. It's probably been a bit harder for my partner. Um, you know, I get to come to training and see 30 other people every day and get to do what I love. Um, but at the same time, we, as I said, we, we knew what we were coming to and we're making the most of it. And we're just, um, you know, there's exciting times, footies around the corner and, you know, with the vaccine and level uh, the, the infection rate going down, there's some positive signs heading into summer. So, um, yeah, fingers crossed, we, you know, come summer, it's, it's going to be a good time. Yeah, Cogger, the uh, really interesting guy, actually. Um, uh, I always tell the tale that I spoke to him briefly when he was over here with the Australian schoolboys back in 2014. Uh, and that was a tour that included Lateral Mitchell. So, you know, they didn't do bad out of that by, by way of, uh, you know, personnel in the Australian game. Um, but uh, yeah, Cogger, he's going to be adding something different, I think, to those halfbacks at Huddersfield. And I'm looking forward to seeing how he goes. I think that he's a real interesting sign. And a couple of other overseas signings that have come in there's Albert Vetti that's gone in at Hull Kingston Rovers he's a prop forward from Melbourne Storm um, there's also Corbin Sims that's gone into Hull Kingston Rovers he's unfortunately had a few injuries over the last few years but he has nine Fijian caps to his name 
Hull Kingston Rovers again signing Brad Takarangi, who uh, was a, a real force at times for Parramatta in the NRL. Uh, he's, he's a dual international. He's played seven times for the Cook Islands, four times for New Zealand. Uh, and let's give a big mention to Big Zane, who's gone and signed for Leeds Rhino. Zane Tatavano uh, was in that grand final squad for Penrith last year. He had a, a heck of a lot of experience there. Uh, and I'm looking forward to seeing how he goes. Uh, and finally, just of the other guys that are coming into Super League, I just want to give this guy a mention, Elijah Taylor. Um, when you looked at the start of his career, very, very effective for New Zealand Warriors and, and playing for the New Zealand Test team. He's coming over after a little bit of a, uh, shall we say, a checkered past with a manager who unfortunately ran off with a lot of his money. So I think he's got a point to prove and I'm hoping that he does it. Um, as I say, very, very good player, workaholic, and I can't wait to see him in action. Just thinking about Jack Cogger there, Parky. The last guy I came across with in the world, I believe the name Cogger, was playing for Runcorn in the shape of John Cogger. Yeah, that's his uncle. That's his uncle, that. His uncle, yeah. It's his uncle. And he's, uh, he's, he's, his dad also played for Lee back in the mid-80s. So, you know, we've got one or two things in common, me and Jack. Do you remember John Cogger, John? Certainly do. I remember that haircut forever. That's for certain. <laughs> um he was rocking the mullet there, wasn't he, John Cogger? But he did great for Runcorn. I have to say, I think Runcorn had the best ever season. The season he was there, he became a real fan's favourite with them. Uh, not a big guy, but all action. And um, certainly put himself about and scored a lot of tries, actually, for Runcorn as well. So uh, hopefully his uh, nephew can go well for Huddersfield this year. I wonder if John will come over with the mullet for 2021. <laughs> hey, the mullet's back in, if you look in the NRL and some of the hairstyles that have been going around. Wow. Might start growing mine until the start of the season. I, I think be... I almost. I think until last week I almost had one. I've got a bit of a <laughs> DIY job now, but uh, yeah, I think I almost was was getting one by accident, just for the lack of barbers. But uh, yeah, I think uh, I was getting there myself. Mention guys swapping the NRL for Super League Parky. Uh, two British guys coming back for twenty twenty one: Ryan Hall and John Bateman. Yeah, looking forward to seeing both of them in action. I mean, certainly Ryan Hall. He can get himself unlucky, really, because he was behind uh, the likes of the Morris twins over at uh, Sydney Roosters. I think he played 11 NRL games. And when you consider his try scoring rate over here with Leeds, he didn't score one try whilst in the NRL. And it wasn't for lack of trying. There was one particular... I know, there was, there was one particular game that I saw last year and um, the winger on the other side scored five tries and yet he didn't get a pass over on his side of the, the field, unfortunately. So, But yeah, uh, in seriousness, that, that's a good signing for Hull Kingston Rovers, that if he's anything like you know he was when he, he was leaving Leeds, then you know they've got themselves a, a real powerful player who will no doubt add a lot because it's not just the tries that you get with, with Hull. It's the work that he does in backfield, his kick returns, his kick chases that he does as well. You know, I think he's a, he has been a tremendous player and I hope that we get to see that. Bateman, for me, he's still on the rise. I think that Wigan re-sign him when he's in the form of his career. He's at the time of his rugby league life. And, um, you know, he's he's he looks like he's ready to take like a leadership role on there at Wigan. Um, certainly, they've been particularly impressed with the way uh, and the shape that he's turned up with in pre-season over there. And uh, I certainly expect a big season from Bateman. And I think most of the Wigan fans and staff do too. With Bateman, you're on a certainty, aren't you? He's going to bring quality. And he also makes other players better as well because he's got a great attitude, great work rate. And other players like having him in the side because they know they've got someone there who's always going to be with them. He's always going to be in the trenches. He's always going to be giving his best. And we know his best is, is very, very good. 
Um, with regards to Ryan Hall, I've never really quite been in the Ryan Hall fan club, but I can see that he has some solid qualities. You know, as you said, he's a big lad, bring the ball out of backfield. I wasn't completely surprised that it didn't quite work out for him in Australia, if I'm, if I'm completely honest. But he will bring a lot of experience to that uh, whole KR back line. Well, gentlemen, I could talk all day, but unfortunately, time has run out on us for this first episode of the final Hooter 2021. We will have a second part of this season preview, though, so do look out for it on loverugbyleague.com.